Good evening and hello and all. Welcome to the Sports Press Box Summer Edition. My name is Darren and it's great to be with you. Taking over from your usuals, the Sports Press Box hosts, Guy and Jamie, who are on a very well-earned break. They'll be back in, in 2023 for some more great episodes of the Sports Press Box. But until then, you've got me coming to you every week with the Sports Press Box Summer Edition. And it's great to be here. And what a start to the summer it has been. We've had the World Cup. We've had cricket. We've had NBL. It's all very exciting, and since we're almost in Christmas, I think we should start the show with some Christmas music, just to get us all into the Christmas theme, right here on the Sports Press Box, proudly brought to you by Viva Teamwear. Hope you're feeling a bit more Christmassy with that beautiful piece of music. That was Sleigh Bells by Richard Bodge. You're listening to the Sports Press Box Summer Edition. And it's so great to be with you. All right, let's jump right into the sports. have to be living under a rock to know that Argentina has beaten France in the World Cup in Doha in a tense penalty shootout. It is a fairy tale ending for Lionel Messi in a once-in-a-generational win in what is possibly his, the Argentinian superstar's last international match. Messi scored twice while Mappe netted a hat-trick for France. The match decided from the penalty spot. Sides finished 3-0 after 30 minutes of extra time. Here's Argentina have won the World Cup. France have lost their title. Lionel Messi has won the World Cup. What a fairy tale. What a final. Argentina winning the penalty shootout 4-2, etching the squad into the history books once again. Their third World Cup victory, and the last was back in that 1986. Big congratulations to Argentina on taking out the 2022 World Cup. Big congrats to them. We'll be right back. We'll just take a short break, and we'll be right back after these messages here on the Sports Press Box Summer Edition. Brought to you by Viva Teamwear. Here for the atmosphere, not the gambling. Here for the memories, not for early bet payouts. Here for the loyalty, not to punt on first goal scorers. Here for my heroes, not for my multi. Here for the fans, 
not the odds on favourite. What are you here for? Gambling may harm. You could lose more than a bet. Visit hereforthegame.com.au. Welcome back to the Sports Press Box. So my name is Darren. Filling in over the summer break while Guy and JT take a very well-earned break. And they'll be back in 2023 for our Season 2 of the Sports Press Box. Until then, you've got me with the summer edition of the Sports Press Box. As I said, my name is Darren, and it's great to be with you. And we're now going to talk some cycling, especially the Santos Tour Down Under that takes to Adelaide and the surrounding South Australia. And our first use from the Santos Tour Down Under, of course, that's in Adelaide from the 13th to the 22nd of January 2023. Caleb Ewan to headline Australian national team at Santos Tour Down Under. One of the world's fastest sprinters will compete for the Australian national team at the Santos Tour Down Under, with Oz Cycling confirming Caleb Ewan's inclusion in the event today. Among his 60 professional victories, Ewan is a nine-time stage winner at the Santos Tour Down Under and has claimed five stage wins in both the Tour de France and the Giro d'Italia. The Australian national team traditionally consists of a mix of promising domestic riders and professional riders whose teams are not participating in the Santos Tour Down Under. Riding alongside Ewan in the men's Australian national team will be Lotto Destiny teammate Jared Dreisner's and Commonwealth Games pursuit medalists Connor Leary and Graham Frisley and James Moriarty. Ewan and Drizners will ride in the green and gold after their professional team, Lotto Destiny, elected to forgo UCI World Tour invitations following their relegation from the top 18 teams for the 2023 season. As a winner of the men's team's classification, the 2022 National Road Series team, Bridge Lane, were awarded two positions on the team, filled by Cycle Sunshine Coast winner Zach Marriage and Liam Walsh. Women's team features 2022 National Road Champion Nicole Frayne, UCI World Champion Silver Medalist Rachel Nalen, and Oceana Road Champion Josie Talbot. Oz Cycling Developing Athletes Ali Anderson, Haley Fuller, and Anaya Lowa have also been selected to the women's team. Santos Tour Down Under director Stuart O'Grady said Ewan will be an exciting inclusion for fans. Caleb has developed a strong following at the Santos Tour Down Under thanks to the sprinting prowess and ability to mastermind victories at high speed, O'Grady said. He was a standout in 2020, including a breathtaking win on Stage 2 into Sterling and claiming his fourth Schwabel Classic and will be in the mix again this year, particularly 
on the Zip Tracks Men's Stage 1 in the Barossa and the Think Road Safety Men's Stage 4 in Wollonga. The women's team has a great mix of established talent like Nicole and Rachel, mixed with some of the most exciting emerging riders in the country. The Australian national teams at the Tour and Under have a reputation of showcasing the next crop of Australian superstars and while riders like Caleb will grab headlines, cycling fans will have their eye on some of the exciting under-23 talent in these teams. The Santos Tour and Under is taking place in Adelaide and regional South Australia from the 13th to the 22nd of January 23. It will feature nine days of UCI World Tour men's and women's racing. The Santos Tour Down Under women's race was elevated to the highest level of international competition in June, with its 2023 edition set to be the first Union Cyclisti International Women's World Tour stage race in the Southern Hemisphere. Remaining rider announcements will be made in the coming weeks. But please, in the meantime, visit tooldownunder.com.au for more information. We all love uh, an Australian team, and Green Edge Cycling will boast an all Australian lineup for the first time in the 2023 Santos Tour Down Under women's race, including Olympians Alexandra Manley and Georgia Baker. Manley returned to full time road cycling in a remarkable form this year, winning four of six stages at July's International Lotto Thuringen Ladies Tour in Germany to take overall on the versatile Australian. Then secured another win in August with a thrilling stage four victory at the Tour of Scandinavia. Sprinter Baker's l- latest season launch her to the forefront of the international cycling scene with three gold medals including the women's road race at the 2022 Birmingham Commonwealth Games. Baker also came second in the opening prologue of the Giro d'Italian Donny and went on to claim multiple top 10 stage Top 10 stage finishes during the event. Both riders were among the Australian lineup that won bronze in the mixed team time trial at the recent UCI 20, 2022 Road World Championships in Wollongong, New South Wales. Joining them to represent Green Edge Cycling at next month's Santos Tour Down Under women's race will be 2022 Santos Festival of Cycling winner Ruby Roseman Gannon, along with the experienced Jessica Allen and debutantes. Georgie Howe and your South Australian Amber Pate. Manly says that Santos Tour Down Under was a race she always looked forward to. I am super excited to race the Santos Tour Down Under in January, and for me personally, it is really special as the race is in my hometown of Adelaide, Manly said. I have been part of the event over the, the years and have witnessed its growth, so to see it now elevate to UCI World Tour level for 2023 it is really something special. As a team, we have won the overall title five times, and last year we helped Ruby to take the overall title. A stage win, and also Georgia won the criterion, so we returned with so much motivation to try and keep winning in Adelaide. It is a really nice lining up with all an Australian team, as this is the event we were, have been exposed to, the best cyclists in the world, and it's ignited a professional dream in many riders. We know it's going to be extremely high level of racing next year and a very challenging course, but we know what to expect and are coming in very well prepared. Hopefully the home advantage will help. Santos Tour and Under Race Director Stuart O'Grady OAM said Green Edge Cycling would be a team to watch in 2023. Green Edge Cycling 
has enjoyed a very successful year and riders will be keen to extend their remarkable achievements into the new season, O'Grady said. Having a UCI World Tour race in South Australia shows the growth of the Santos Tour Down Under. We are proud to present a challenging event on the world stage for these impressive Australian athletes. Our stages will really play to Alex Manley's strengths, where any rider on this roster could be in contention for the Oka jersey. The Santos Tour Down Under women's race was elevated to the highest level of international competition in June, with its 2023 edition set to be the first Union Cyclisti Internationale Women's World Tour Stage race in the Southern Hemisphere. So if you're in Adelaide, or get down to Adelaide, not just for the some awesome cycling, but for the beautiful beaches, beautiful sights, and of course our beautiful wines. And we cannot forget the great cycling, and that takes over Adelaide and South Australia from the 13th to the 22nd of January. South Australia. There are few places that so perfectly encapsulate the typical Australian experience. From the rugged mountains of the outback to the glittering Southern Ocean, its landscape is as diverse as its culture. Within its enormous state borders is an abundance of wildlife, food, festivals, and places of extraordinary beauty. When the not Adelaide cycling fans were given the ride of their lives as they geared up alongside one of the biggest names in the world of motorsports, Formula One superstar Valtteri Bottas led a weekend peloton from Glenelg to Outer Harbour and revealed to the media how Adelaide's change of pace has captured his heart. Valtteri Bottas is used to life in the fast lane. He's not called the flying fin for nothing. It's Valtteri Bottas who wins the Australian Grand Prix. In 2016, he was clocked at an eye-watering 372 k's an hour at the Mexican Grand Prix. But this time, life's a little slower. It's no surprise the F1 megastar was the centre of attention as he swapped four wheels for two. And it's all right, whoever has a mullet gets a free beer. <laughs> I love it. It's a great way to um, see places. You know, when I travel, you see so much on a bike and... Uh, also, like here, the riding is so good that uh, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to be here. But it might surprise you to know, when he isn't walking the grid of Monaco, rubbing shoulders with the rich and famous, he spends his off-season right here in Adelaide with star cyclist partner Tiffany Cromwell. What do you love about Adelaide, obviously, besides <laughs> Tiffany? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, Tiff has her, her family here. and uh, But, yeah, I've, I've been here now for many, many times, and every time I come to Australia, I come to Adelaide. For me, it's I love it because it's, you know, it's obviously... It's city with everything you need but it's not too big you know I'm not a big fan of massive cities so um, and yeah you have the hills you have the nature I don't mind a drop of red wine every now and then either so it's it's pretty well located together the pair certainly cover some K's in the saddle taking in some of South Australia's most breathtaking sights the hills are yeah for me obviously I can ride on all the roads in the world but the hills are definitely some of the best in the world like just if they're quiet you have the mixture of the very leafy areas through kind of Lenswood basket range uh, you raid the summer town or that area where you can get further out and Finland yeah obviously his dramatic off-season transformation has him looking as Aussie as a pair of thongs even his initials are as ochre as they come probably the biggest decision I need to make in January is, is if I keep the mallet or not yeah so let's see how it, has it been everyone like it <laughs> yeah I'm getting so many compliments like it's crazy so next time you're out riding 
you don't know who you might bump into on Adelaide's roads. We're going to take a, a break now and we'll be right back. Of course, the Sports Press Box is brought to you by Viva Teamwear. It's what we play in the gyms, the parks, the backyards and on the street. It's a way of life. When grit and grind take over, it's unmistakable what can be born. Forced him into the air and it's going to catch. Unmissable moments, undeniable talent. 24 on the clock, all eyes on the rock. extraordinary. From street to stadium, country to coast, it's unstoppable. Two more, thank you. No matter who we are or where we're from, nothing comes close to summer hoops. Hungry Jacks NBL, unrivaled. This is a world-class league. Two, one, two. Hang on. Cleveland turns the tide for Adelaide. Antonio's Cleveland's fourth quarter masterclass, which lifted the Adelaide 36ers over the Tasmanian men, jacked up at 93 to 82 in a physical back and forth battle. Cleveland got the 36ers going early, scoring eight of the first ten for Adelaide as they scored a season high. 49 first-quarter points. Tasmania's physicality helped them back into the contest before Cleveland buckets on back-to-back-to-back-to-back possessions turned the tie for Adelaide. In the final stanza, turning a six-point deficit into a two-point lead that they wouldn't relinquish the rest of the way. Cleveland led the way for Adelaide with 20 points. Anthony Drimmick provided a spark off the bench with 16 points and Kai Soto Impressed in a stunning role with nine points, two blocks for the 36ers in the win. Milton Doyle top scored for Tasmania with 18 points. And here are the highlights. Here is Antonis Cleveland, 20 points. He's attacking the rim hard. On Saturday night, he starts again, continues in strong fashion. Chance for a three-point play. You could be in for a long night. Uh, obviously attacking this mismatch, getting downhill and playing through contact. He is trying to be disruptive um, and, and doing a pretty good job. So I'm, 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 I'm liking what I'm seeing from from Adelaide right now. You know, you're gonna get the jack up. Yeah. And there he is, taking in proceedings from the sidelines. He's McCarran working weeks down low. Really? Desperate to get that breakthrough win over his old team. Well, quite uniquely for Kansas, their third game this round. And they've already won both of them. So it'll be three games around as Franks. Well, that'll feel good for Robert Frank. He's got the 10 points. 
Majet looking to be aggressive. That's a good finish with Soto all over him. Top of the glass. As we said, this is their second game of a six-game stretch in 16 days. <laughs> McDonald gets his first points of the night. He's played some good minutes too in recent games. Really good minutes. And the shove and the bump and the grind and the jack jumpers reveling in it. Can it get frustrating? X because it looks like Adelaide are just starting to get a little bit frustrated by all the contact. <laughs> Your boy again. Tassie by five. Marshall. Looking to go to work on Kelly. And what a tough finish from the youngster. That's the kind of shot creation you're talking about, X. The final possession of this third quarter. Can Adelaide tie it up or take the lead? It'll be Marshall again. Feeds it down low to Getch. Good heads up play. Franks and Cleveland back out on the floor for Adelaide with Detch, Harris, and Marshall. And they do go straight to their superstar, Franks, who goes straight at Doyle. Um, and make the fourth is, is great for him, great for his confidence, and, and he needed to see uh, that go through the ring. And that's, that's going to get him going. Can he get him going all right? All of a sudden, he's got two in a row. All tied up. Now, can they continue to get stopped and push the ball? There he goes. And that's the thing with AC. He sees a couple go through the rim, and, and watch him. He, he locks in defensively. So evenly matched sides here. Cleveland feeling good about himself. Oh, my God. Feeling really good. <laughs> good hands from McCarron. He's got Dex running with him. Cleveland gets his double-double with that rebound. 20 points and 10 boards for him. He stepped up when they needed someone the most. He had plenty of teammates in support. Uh, today, today was a repeated success. Um, you need repeat success and effort levels and energy. And I think how we started against Brisbane was great. And we needed to, again, one one hit wonders. We, we've seen that in music and a lot in, in sport. We play good. Uh, what happened this game? And we come back up here. So uh, to be able to continue to match uh, the energy for the other teams and come out and compete and battle and take a few things away early, which um, we were able to get out and run, and then sort of came, calmed down a little bit. You started with that text two run, and obviously this man next to you, you know, got it going really early, and uh, it's nice to see a couple of fast starts for Adelaide, mm. uh, and that's certainly something you've been looking for. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, any time that you can get out and run, it's, it's fun basketball. I think uh, teams get scared and you see their eyes get bigger and uh, a lot can happen in the open floor and with every team and, and, and a lot of players in this competition. But for us, I think the way that we move and, and get to, can get to second actions and, and keep pressure at the rim uh, continues to cause problems. Tasmania really grinded you in that second quarter and they just refused to give up offensive rebounds. How frustrating was that for you in the second quarter? You just weren't able to get those extra chances off them. Well, it wasn't so much the offensive rebounds that I was more worried about. Like, it's, I mean, you take the right shots in the game, uh, good things will happen. I think I was more upset that we gave up certain things to them that we told that we're not going to give up. And, you know, like Steiner will uh, come off a pin down or a turnout, which, you know, if you're 
you're a student of the game, you'll, you'll see certain things that they do and uh, that they run for certain players and it's, they run it to perfection. And so uh, I thought, um, yeah, that was a letdown and we gave up, you know, second chance points early, which uh, I thought they stayed in the ball game in that first half by second chance points off our turnovers. And then, again, they got some open, open looks because we uh, overcommitted at certain times too. In terms of using your lineup tonight, you obviously had to go deep into your bench in that third quarter and you, you found, well, you didn't find, you, you know, Nick mm. Marshall, obviously, and guys like Hiram Harris. It really brought you back into the game when it looked like it was maybe slipping away from you. It felt like Tasmania had all the momentum and all the drive, and then all of a sudden they just changed the dynamic of the game in the third quarter. How do you see it from your perspective? Yeah, I think uh, when you have guys that compete and can bring energy, not that everyone on our team can do that. Uh, with their lineup, their matchup, when they were switching and hustling, and to be able to to break that first line of the defense, uh, these guys can do that and and set the tone and have that heart and that drive to be able to help keep us in a in a level place. And like everyone, they they want trust from me, uh, and I need uh, consistency from them. And it's not just that little five minute patch. And if it's two or five minutes, don't be deflated. Uh, and but do it with pride and give it everything like it's your last game that you ever play and you know the chips will lay where they are and we'll all enjoy everyone was was happy for everyone else's success which we all want Antonius um, in that fourth quarter you had that moment where you shot that three and it ripped but it ripped back to you and then you stuck it in in the next one in that moment there what clicked for you that made you go on the 12th I mean, I was open, so I just shot again. Um, can't be afraid to take shots. If you miss, so what? So um, I just wanted to shoot it again. I felt like I was going to make it, and I kind of knew I was going to make it the second time. So um, I just wanted to keep being aggressive, and an open shot is a good shot. So that was going. Th that's what was going through my head. Hey, say, following up, up from that, I mean, what worked so well in these last two games this weekend? What, what do you feel like starting to click for this team? Um, I think... Well, I'm going to talk, just talk about Tasmania. Um, I think we just stayed together. Um, our guys off the bench stepped up. Nick Marshall was huge. Um, I think they, you know, got momentum going for us, and um, we kind of ran with it. Tazzy came back and punched us like we knew they would, and we just punched them back and finished the game out. I think coach's game plan, I think switching down the stretch kind of like through a different look at Tazzy that I don't really think they was prepared for kind of, and um, it kind of just kept us up and aggressive. and. Um, up tempo and just playing off the crowd against stops. CJ, how pleasing for you is it that you got on top late in that game based on winning the effort areas against a team that I guess is, is, is known for that as their, as their tra trademark? And I think in the second half, 11 offensive rebounds you had to, to, mm. to their three. How, how pleasing was that for you? Uh, I, was, I was super proud. Uh, clearly, it's said at halftime that this is our game to, to take and you know, don't come in here, basically don't want them to come in here and feeling sad for themselves, but I thought uh, our intensity and in going out there and, and executing, um, I guess, more so on the defensive end of the, the floor and being able to contain Doyle and, and Jet and uh, take away certain things where uh, McVeigh catches shoot threes and um, making them put on the deck a little more than normal, which, uh, again, eventually will tire you out. and using and rotating the bodies a little more for, for myself uh, and being able to switch more, we were able to get out and run a little bit better. What are your thoughts now on the Christmas Eve game? Obviously, the, the Phoenix are potentially going to have their, their struggles just given what's happening to them this week, but that's not your problem. What are your thoughts on, on that game now on Christmas Eve? Uh, excited 
excited about it. One, it's Christmas Eve, and to be able to play a game that we love, and uh, for all our for all our fans to be at home and during that time is is also good. Uh, but um, I'm I'm excited. One that the NBL, uh, but um, it's a it's a special time for our families, and this is where everyone needs to stay safe and um, eat well and, and enjoy sport and sit there and cheer for their teams. If it's Adelaide, if it's just watching the NBL, I think it's it's exciting times. Ooh, that would be nice. If you get that done, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped. I mean, I like to think that um, we're not we're not far away from announcing something, but I don't have any confirmation that anything's done yet. So, um, but when I do, um, if it's not me, it'll be the club that will definitely let everyone know. But yeah, excited if he's the guy that we get. No, I think it's more frustrating for you guys. Like, in-house, my team has been focused on, on us and uh, preparing for these two games and understanding what we need to do if we're going to stay in the hunt to, to go make a title run. But uh, as for players that come and go into your, your team, it's when they're here, you welcome them, uh, you embrace them, you try to give them everything possible to, to be themselves and play an elite basketball level. Um, so whoever that is and when they come in, we'll do that. I hope so, but there's no guarantee in that too. Whilst for the Tasmanian team tonight, what did you first take out of that possibly? Well, first, uh, congratulations to CJ and their group. They, they obviously played very well, especially in the, the second half. Um, you know, one of our focus was making sure we would take care of the glass, and they just pounded us uh, in the second half there, I think, with 11 offensive rebounds. Uh, we had one at halftime. I think there's seven in the fourth. And this fueled them to get extra possessions and extra shots. And uh, their work rate was much higher than ours. And, and they made winning plays. And that was it. As you said, those final, that final quarter, they just had all that momentum. And when you're up against a team like that, it's um, happened twice in two games now. But all season, you've had answers for it. So uh, what are the answers at the moment for your team um, in how to respond to that? Well, I don't know if necessarily we had an, uh, answers to any of that stuff other than just trying to run our stuff a little bit better and, and be a little bit more uh, detail-oriented on finishing possessions with box outs and, and doing the little things. Um, you know, a lot of these games are coming down in the last few minutes. And uh, we've navigated a few of them with wins, and I think some of it's a little bit of fool's gold to think that you just can keep coming back from behind and think that's how you're going to win games. And um, I hope that's not our mentality. It's a nice trait, but I don't think it's um, worthy of anything really in the long run other than it's a good story. Um, we just have to be better. And quick for yourself, you started tonight. Um, how did it feel to get back out there and be in the starting five once again? We, we all admire you as a player from uh, across the league, as um, people who watch you play. Um, how good was it to get back out there and uh, be a part of the team? I mean, it's always good to be back out there, whether you're starting or, or coming off the bench. Um, whatever minutes you play, I mean, I'm going out there trying to be effective, trying to be efficient. Um, and I think I, I need to provide more in the effective area right now. I mean, 14 minutes, one rebound. I mean, um, yeah, our big guys are battling. And, and uh, I mean, we give up seven O-boards in the last quarter, and that's where I need to become effective and, and, and get some of those. But, um, I mean, being back out there, it's what, I, it's what I'm here to do is go out and 
be a really good teammate and and uh, compete with the guys. Isaac White was very good for you tonight. Twelve points, uh, a high shooting percentage, and just that energy, and also a plus eight on the court. How how did you see his game tonight, and how it really helped your team, especially after Adelaide had that fast start and had that ten two start, and then um, when you brought a few guys in, particularly Scott as well, um, it really changed the dynamics and brought the game back into your favour coming into the half. White has been fantastic. Um, just his energy, um, his defensive pressure, and I think that's where it started. And uh, he had some shots going tonight, and he was being aggressive, and um, that's what we brought him in to do. And I mean, I, the same can be said for Sean McDonald. I mean, those two guys are, weren't guaranteed anything, and they've they've come in and um, played aggressively and taken their chances, and that's why they're out there right now and playing high minutes. So. Uh, if they keep that up, then um, it's only good for us. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Cliff. Yep. Cliff, be good to go. Yeah, we'll be great. Okay. Um, Scott, following on from what you touched on to start with the offensive rebound, you dominated that area in the first first half. I think it was five to one at half time, and then eleven to three in their favour in the second half. Is that? Is that just an effort thing, or what do you put it down to? Uh, effort. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Um, there's no talent in rebounding. Uh, some of the greatest rebounders in the history of the game have been undersized guys that just have a nose for a ball, and they dig them out, and they go get them. And um, it's just an energy, passion, um, go get a ball, uh, really, at the end of the day. Well, what do you take out of these last two games that you now need to well, I just think in general, you know, the league is extremely tough. There's no easy games. And, you know, we've been in quite a few of these ones that are in the last quarters and they're back and forth. And uh, I've said it before, you know, you got to navigate hard and get through some of that stuff. And um, if you don't, you're just not going to be in the playoffs and you're just going to sit on the outside and wonder, well, I wish I had that game back in January or whatever it may be. And, um, you just have to, to, you know, tough it out and, and figure out ways to win when you, maybe it's not in the cards for you to win. And, um, and you have to try to win at home. And that's one thing that we just have not done very well is, is win at home. We've done pretty well on the road for the most part. But, um, yeah, it's a grind. Uh, it's real. And, um, you know, the league is fantastic with a lot of really good players. And um, the margin of error is very small. And some teams are making it happen and some teams aren't. Well, just following on from that, it's I mean, ex extremely. Um, this is where we've got to capitalise on our season with with some of the work we've done on the road. And um, I guess anytime you go home, you, you want to play your best. And uh, we haven't shown that yet this season. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, Scott said it. There's some things we have to figure out, but um, the effort areas um, can't come into play, um, especially at home. They have to be nailed every time, and um, then you're just going to have to make some winning plays. But, um, yeah, this is a chance for us to capitalise on our season and, and keep ourselves in touch um, in that top six. And um, to be able to do it at home is... Um, a really good chance you just we just got to do it now um moving forward and we just heard from the LA 36s coach CJ Bruton 
and Antonio's Cleveland in their presser, and that was followed by Coach Roth and Steindl from the Jack Jumpers talking about their uh, clash against each other. And in the LA36's press conference, you might have heard about a new player that the Adelaide uh, are about to announce. Well, they have announcement, and I can tell you, the LA36ers have signed NBA Championship winner Ian Clark for the rest of the NBL season. Clark, 31, played 330 NBA games between 2013 and 2019. And alongside Steph Curry, was part of the Golden State Warriors' backcourt that posted the most dominant playoffs record in NBA history during the 2016-17 season. Aside from winning the championship with the Wizards, Clark played for the New Orleans Pelicans, Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets during his time in the NBA. He replaced his former N36's import, Craig Randall II, who was cut by the team because of chemistry issues. Clark is expected to be available for the 7th place 36's in their game against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on Christmas Eve. He filled a similar role for the Sydney Kings last season, coming in for injured import RJ Hunter midway through the campaign and went on to play a crucial role off the bench in their run to the championship. To bring someone like Ian Ian, in is great for the group, LA coach C.J. Bruton said in a statement. He's a winner, he knows what it takes to get it done in this league, but most importantly, he's a great teammate. We're excited to add Ian to our squad. Now it's all about getting him here and getting him up to speed with our game plan. Clark will come up against his former teammates at least once when the 36ers host the Kings on February 3. Sean Bruce, also a member of the Kings Championship winning bench, says he will feel strange planning a scouting report to keep Clark quiet. It'll be tough, he said. He's a great player and obviously he saw what he could do for us, but I'm excited for him that he's healthy and he's got an opportunity to play. He's going to bring a lot to Adelaide. You're listening to the Sports Press Box Summer Edition, and we're going to take a short break. Brought to you by Viva Teamwear. It's what we play in the gyms, the parks, the backyards, and on the street. It's a way of life. When grit and grind take over, it's unmistakable what can be born. Forced him into the air and it's going to catch. Unmissable moments, undeniable talent. 24 on the clock, all eyes on the rock. extraordinary. From street to stadium, country to coast, it's unstoppable. Two more, thank you. real competitor. No matter who we are or where we're from, nothing comes close to summer hoops. Hungry Jacks NBL, unrivaled. This is a world-class league. Listen to the Sports Press Box Podcast Summer Edition, and it's great to be with you. My name is Darren.
late breaking news. It's just come over the sports press box desk. Zhao Kwai to return home for family reasons. The Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have announced that Zhao Kwai will return home to China for family reasons. The Phoenix fully support Zhao at this time and have left the door open for him to return. Zhao is needed at home at this time and we fully support his decision and remain hopeful that he will return and finish the season with the Phoenix. Southeast Melbourne CEO Tommy Greer said, We send our best wishes to Zhao's family. Epic Creek Phoenix win classic. It always loomed as a classic matchup and it surpassed all expectations with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix taking down the Sydney Kings 113 to 112 in double overtime in a heavyweight clash. The Phoenix Mitch Creek recorded 46 points while the Kings star Derek Walton Jr. had 45. The first 40 point games by players this season to South East Melbourne's Gary Brown with a calf injury and Ryan Brokoff hip injury and Sydney's Xavier Cox with an ankle didn't detract from the contest as Creek and Walton Jr. delivered a game up for the ages. Creek and Walton Jr. created clutch three-point shots at the end of the first overtime period before a tenth second overtime saw no team score in the final minute as the Phoenix held on to defeat the latter leaders. It was a remarkable individual performance from Creek in his 306th NBL appearance. He ended up with 46 points, 10 rebounds on 15-27 to 27 shooting, including 4 from 11 from 3 and 12 from 13 at the line. Walton was phenomenal for the Kings. He finished with 45 points and 10 assists on his 14-27 shooting from the floor. 5-10 from deep and 12-13 from the foul line. Let's hear from the two coaches and players in their post-match presses. I mean, it was a pretty wild afternoon, I think it's fair to say. How do you even look at that and try and assess what just happened? Uh, well, you know, firstly, um, shout out to the people of Gippsland, like, they created that event with their support for us coming out here um, and the environment they created that was loud. I don't think anyone could hear a call out there, um, but the environment created the contest, which was special. Saw a couple of special performances with Bolton Jr. and Creek. Um, and then just, you know, a coin flip in the end, which way is it going to go? Uh, I thought we endured some, um, some real tests I uh, thought that, uh, you know, the strength that, of character, which maybe waned a little bit on Thursday, oh, I think it was Thursday, whenever we played last, um, I thought we may have failed that test. We got a little over-emotional today. There's a real focus to just be business-like. And uh, when those hurdles came at us and were, there was a lot of them out there, I thought that um, the strength of character really shone through, which builds for us a platform. It builds for us a level that we know that we can operate under extreme duress, extreme circumstances, and come out um, with our chins out high, held out high. Specifically on Mitch? Yeah, 27 field goal attempts. I just said we need to pass the ball a bit more. I've never uh, shot that many. I feel so bad. <laughs> I actually feel like a dick. It's, it's right up there with one of the all-time great um, NBL performances uh, for an individual. And if you know, Sydney win, then we're saying the same about Derek and his performance. Um, you know, like... Guys were dropping uh, for both teams. And, um, 
you know, he answered the call um, when it mattered most. And, um, yeah, I mean, even all, all facets of the game, I just thought he stood up and took a huge defensive rebound down the stretch. Maybe he got a little clip on that one, but I, I thought he just, he, his performances were, were, was, you know, we'll be talking about this for a long time. Um, I kind of said to Sam on the way in, like it was a, it was a very highly intellectual game. Like there was a lot of moving pieces, and like we'd make counters to their offenses on defense, and then they would make adjustments, and then we'd have to make a counter to something they've just adjusted. Like we would, everyone was moving pieces around the board, and it was actually really cool because, as Simon said, you couldn't hear anything. I said to the crowd afterwards, like, next time when it's that crazy, like, shut up on defense so we can actually run down and play some good defense on Walton because we're like, ice, ice. And the point guards are just like, no idea where the ball is. Like, it was, it was the craziest game I've ever been a part of. But at the same time, it never felt like either team was so far out of it or so far not in control of each other's games. Like, we had control for the most of it and then Sydney kind of just hung around and then it was vice versa and... Even down the stretch, like, I'd make a big play and then Walton would come down and he'd make a big play. And, I mean, just a huge shout-out to, to Derek like that. I said to him after the game, I said, that was an incredible battle and I was just so proud to be a part of it. Like, you don't get many moments like this in sport. Like, I've played my 12th season, 13th season, and I've, it's my first one that's been, like, that head-to-head -head with somebody for all 47 and a half minutes I played. Like, just an incredible experience to be a part of and to win. As you said, Simon said, you lose that game and everyone talks about Derek and that's it. You know, you win and they kind of talk about you, but at the same time, you can't, you can't mistake that kind of game from him. You know, tip your hat to him. Incredible, incredible game from him. And, man, I, I hope every time we play Sydney, it's like that. I hope Saves ankle's okay. I was looking forward to that matchup. Like, I was really looking forward to it. I know a lot of people were. Um, shitty to see him play seven minutes and then be walked off the court you know, to the change room. So I hope he gets better. I hope he gets fit quickly so we can go out and, and have a really good battle together because we both respect each other a lot and, you know, we both want the best of each other. I was just laughing. I was just on the baseline, like, holy shit, this is ridiculous. And, I mean, hats off Owen Foxwell. Like, that might be the best game I've ever seen someone play one-on-one -on -one defense and get 40-pieced. <laughs> like, if, he, if, we, if Foxy wasn't on our team for that game, he would have scored 74. You know, like, he was just, as I said, you, you know, you tip your hat to greatness and that was an, a great performance. But some of the defensive possessions we had on Walton was just tip-top. And then you, he makes it and you just laugh and you're like, holy shit, that guy's really good at basketball. And then you go down and I, I hit a, like a, a hesitation three on um, Simon, I think. And I think Simon was like, don't shoot it. Oh, shit, yeah, good shot, Craigie. Like, nice job. And then he came down again, hit another one. And you're just like, can you go away? Like, go and play for someone else for the next five minutes. Because he, he was, as I said, it was lost for words because it's just, you know, head to head and big shot and big shot. Like, it was just pretty funny to be out there and be a part of it.
Um, well, sometimes it's by necessity, so isn't that difficult? You know, what are you going to do? Throw the, can't throw an injured bloke back out there, so you're forced to make a change. Um, I think Creaky was talking about it a little earlier, just about the, you know, the, the checkers game or the chess game that was going on in before that, and with uh, guys coming in and out, big lineups, small lineups, switching lineups. Um, how do you defend this? You know, that's not working. You know, you're going with the game plan, and a guy like Walton, and it was like, okay, these are shots that we are going to try and allow, not allow him to have uncontested, but these are the shots we want him shooting. You go through the numbers, you go through the film. All right, this is where he's maybe not as efficient as other areas of the game. And he comes in and he pulls, you know, four or five mid-rangers and you're just like, hmm, okay, plan B. So then you take change and then he's getting on the rim and finding guys. And like, All right, well, plan C. Um, so you've just got to keep trying to find the chemistry and find the, the, the magic. And, you know, one of the guys, uh, you mentioned three guys there, but I want to tip the hat to Junior Madut as well. Well, I thought when he came in at the regulation toward in that fourth quarter, I thought his, his minutes were really key for us. Um, and and uh, I thought he, he, Ruben made a big shot, Foxy made a couple of big plays, Kyle Adam made some big plays. I, I thought even uh, Grant Atisovic, when he came in early in the game to try and give Creaky, you know, we, we didn't want to play him 48 minutes today. We wanted to keep him to 47 and a half. So, um, but when Grant came in, he came in and hit those five points. I thought they were key. Uh, I thought our contribution across the line was there. Was there, And even Joe uh, had that big post move. Um, I don't know which overtime it was. Probably the last one. And, yeah. and uh, you know, just changed a couple of shots around the ring as well. So I thought there was, you know, real good contribution from a lot of guys today. Uh, we, we, we're going to have to find out. Um, Rowdy was in the showers when I came into the room, so I'm not sure what's happened there. I believe it's a hip. Um, I initially thought it was a groin with the way he was holding himself, but I believe it might be a hip injury. Um, Gary, that's, that's, a, that's a calf. That's going to be a little while. I don't think there's any sort of mystery there. To the degree and the level, we have no idea. We'll get the scans done. Um, Trey, yeah, he got he got hit in that last one and, and rolled the ankle that he did previously. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see how that one um, uh, that, that one butters up. Yeah, it's yeah, we're going to have to. Uh, he, he's a tough kid, and um, you know he's rolled that ankle a few times already. Um, I'm surprised there's ligaments still there for him to roll. So hopefully, and you know, be a guy I used to roll my ankle walking to school. Like it was just a. Sometimes you keep rolling it, and yeah, it hurts like all crazy. But because you've done it a few times, you, you can you can actually come back. So I'm hoping that's his condition right now. Uh, Mitch, I talked about the points today as well. You've ticked over a few different milestones along the way this year. Do you? Are you someone who I think we spoke after the 300, but are you someone that appreciates it or acknowledges that along the way? Uh, I didn't know there was a that was like I I got a message. I I checked my phone after the game quickly um, and. Um, yeah, one of the media guys had said, hey, like, you know, you score seven points today, you, you get 4,000. And I was like, shit, that's a lot of points. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, but then you look around and you look at DJ from Adelaide, Chris Goulding, like, guys who are playing big milestones. Like, they're the ones that I, I want to get to one day. You know, I, I don't really care about scoring a whole bunch. It's about just kind of playing hard and playing the right way. And I guess just showing people out in the country and anywhere, no matter where you're from, like, you don't have to have like the best training or you know everything at your helm, like at your feet, just ready to go to, to be a good basketballer. I, I've said it plenty of times. Like people may not like me, but you know I, I try and play hard for my team. I try and be competitive, but at the same time I try and be respectful after the game. Um, I may not like you during the game, but after the game I always nod my head and, and say great job because 
it's a beautiful game of basketball. You know, we get to go out and you hit a three, you put your hands up like an idiot and, you know, everyone goes, oh, it's cool. And it's this eerie noise you get in your ear. But, you know, 4,000 is great. But, you know, the win today was 10 times sweeter. Seeing, you know, Owen Foxall take three charges was pretty damn cool. You know, seeing Kyle Superman jump for a ball that was already out of bounds at half court was pretty funny. Like, they're the memories I'm going to remember more than scoring some points or getting some rebounds. But, you know, it's pretty cool. I hope Tommy gets me another plaque or something. Dad would love that. <laughs> It is, it is, and I don't, I got nothing for you. Pass. Uh, yeah, I don't know what from minute to minute, let alone game to game. Or I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, we went back through the, the Melbourne film, and we got missed a whole bunch of opportunities to go to the line um, today. I don't know what constituted a foul and not a foul at times. And, you know, I guess the, the thing from our perspective that what we can control is stepping to the line and making them. I thought we were a little disappointing. Um, I thought that, you know, they opened up that lead on us. As, I don't know what it got to, but, you know, it was maybe 10, 12 points or whatever it was. Um, you know, we, we probably had missed 15 from the line at that point. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, again, you know, it's, it's a crazy game. It was a tough game, great environment. Um, I don't think that should really be the focus of what went down today. Um, I think the focus is that we saw an amazing game of basketball in a, in a town that can use that. Um, and who we saw some special performances and I think that should be the focus and we move on from your question. Day off tomorrow. <sighs> yeah. Um, look, we're just going to turn up and fight. Not pleased. In fact, I'm very not pleased. Um, you get a double overtime game, and guys go down. And then you're throwing another game through no fault of your own. And I think people need to understand when they make these decisions that we work hard. Um, the players put themselves through. You know, our planning is immaculate. You know, right down, it's scientific. And we prepare for certain levels to be at certain dates, and then. Three days, in three days, two days after today, we've told you're playing now. There, you'll be on the road. You don't have that training session. You don't have that recovery session. Get on a plane. Get on a bus. Good luck. It's tough, and our preparation will be so abhorrent um, for what these guys need, and for what my coaching staff needs. Like. We're working till two in the morning, three in the morning. You plan, this is the night I get to sleep. Um, and we're pushing ourselves really hard during already a saturated schedule. So we wear it. 
We'll push through. Um, we've got some guys who got some great opportunity today and, um, and we'll butter up in Brisbane and give them our best. Just a quick shout out to Shelley who designed this incredible well done, indigenous jersey. I mean, this encapsulates everything from the staff, the volunteers, the players, um, all the way through until the team, the community, um, the land and the southeast. Like, incredible, incredible job. And she did an amazing job with my shoes today as well. So um, anyone that got to be a part of today, um, there were quite a few um, indigenous people at the games, baseline, courtside, and they were just like, that's incredible. Like, we love the shoes, we love this, and it's just, it's all for her. So, um, Shelley, thank you for coming down and, and talking to us and inspiring us with this jersey. Um, this one's going up in the pool room, as Dad would say. So, I'm uh, looking forward to putting that one up there. Got less than 10 seconds to manufacture something. Sean Bruce blew past Joe Chi and scores out the buzzer. And with Alan Williams and Mitch Creek both out on the floor, they've got some big work to do in situations just like that. And there is career point number 4,000 for Mitch Creek. Oh, oh no. Oh, right, oh. Okay. No, no, of course, can't. Yeah, guys, I just confirmed Xavier Cook's sore ankle, said he's going to rest it for the rest of the game. Derry Brown Jr. out uh, with, a, with a calf muscle. Wow. Big loss for both teams. Well done down there, Copes. Well, the struggles of DJ Vasiljevic continue. 3 of 12 in this one. And are they going to count that? I think they will. Phoenix have hit back hard in this fourth quarter. They lead by three now. Sydney needing to find some answers. Of what his just shooting percentages are. He's just got great self-confidence. Creek was inside for a while. They eventually found him and he levels it up. The two points put Sydney back in front. The Cal banks it off the glass and we're tied again. Outside of me putting the hex on him, but he's... <laughs> Across the course of his career, like we said, almost an 80% free throw shooter. And they'll advance the ball. Foxwell has done such an epic job on Walton Jr. Has he got one more stop in him? The Phoenix get the stop. Foxwell! Almost! <laughs> Capacity crowd at the Gippsland Indoor Sports Stadium in regional Victoria. And haven't they seen a contest? Creek inside. Walton Jr. with the response oh. at the other end. Oh. This is incredible. Wow. Three pointers. There was the first one by Creek. And then Walton. Don't foul to the Phoenix. Walton for Bruce. Not again. Doesn't go. Foxwell throws up a prayer. And we are headed to double overtime. He's got the size advantage, a small lineup. Kings have gone with. Tarangi all up and in on Walton Jr., who pulls the trigger. Oh, my goodness. Adnam looks for Tarangi. It goes. 
Back through Walton Jr. And why not? Oh, He's unstoppable. Five seconds for the Kings. Walton Jr. walks into the three. The Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Yeah, another one where we, you know, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Had the game won multiple times, felt like, and just kept finding new ways to, to get them back in it. So it's one where, again, we'll be disappointed with ourselves, close the game better, make free throws, don't foul, we win. And over in regulation, you know, don't have to go through all the chaoticness of all the fouls and the, the, the drama of that game. So, um, yeah, disappointing again. Got to finish better, obviously. Um, losing X, hurt, you know, he's a probably the best Creek matchup in the league's done a great job on him for at least since I've been here and um, yeah obviously we missed that tonight quite a bit no I mean I think we were he felt good felt like it's gonna go and you know obviously happened the other night first time really giving it a, a try today just didn't feel quite right yeah no comment I was always taught a point guard is defined by his wins and losses and uh, just not to be able to come out on top in the game where I feel like we had it in so many critical moments where um, maybe just like split decisions, like, you know, giving up foul shots and offensive rebounds is kind of keen on my mind more than anything. So um, I don't really kind of like, as, as much as a player, you know, you want to embrace having a good game, it's more so like, you always try to think of ways you want to win when you're able you know, to play well, too, though. So. You mentioned the rebounds. So the second chance points, it wasn't necessarily the, the high volume, but it just felt like they were able to capitalize in, in big moments on the glass. Do you put that down to positioning? Or I know there was different lineups and yet they're smaller times as well. Yeah, I think at half they had 14 second chance points, so we might have actually only limited them to six in the final 30 minutes or whatever it was. but. Um, yeah, it certainly just felt like the, the pile-on of opportunities added up over time. And, uh, yeah, the fouls added up over time. Obviously, we weren't able to close with a lineup anywhere near where we would probably have a closing lineup. You know, it's hard for me to, to get on our guys about the way we finish when it's a bunch of guys out there that's not, you know, probably what's expected of them. And, again, I'll have to go watch it and see ways we could have been better. I thought we maybe relied too much on jumpers down the stretch. But, and especially him early, we just – they couldn't stay in front of him, and we probably didn't go to that enough. Probably didn't get him enough, but you know it's hard. They're dead denying him and all those things. So, um, we'll we'll go back and watch the tape, see a number of areas we wish we could have been better defensively. We weren't great all night, um, but you know we could score. It was one of those games. There wasn't a lot of defense being played, so scoring was pretty easy for both teams.
Yeah, no, for sure. We've had a bunch of games now. I mean, another one, almost, I don't know if we were up 10 in the fourth tonight, but I think we were close, if not it, um, at some point. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're watching. We're trying to find that balance of playing fast and doing what we do well and, and also, you know, getting good shots and, and running some clock and those type of things. And obviously we can't, haven't quite found it the balance. Although I think tonight the biggest thing that hurt us too was just our, our defense. We didn't get any stops early in the fourth and we didn't get any stops late in the fourth. So. Yeah, he just keeps getting better. Um, you know, I probably even expect more from JG. Probably could have given us a little bit more lift than he did tonight. But uh, no, he's he's great. We're we're loving playing him. He's gonna keep getting better. Um, I think he's so young, talented, physical that he's he's got a bright bright career out of him. I have no idea right now. Sticking with the basketball, the NBL has announced some schedule changes to some games. The NBL has announced changes to the schedule for the 2022-23 Hank Jacks NBL season. The Perth Wildcats and New Zealand Breakers will play on Tuesday, January 10 at the RAC Arena at 9.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Brisbane Bullets and New Zealand Breakers will play on Saturday, February 4 at Nissan Arena at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Both games were scheduled following several Breakers players testing positive to COVID last week and being unable to field a team. You're listening to the Sports Press Box Summer Edition podcast and we've your summer host, Darren. We'll take a short break right here on the Sports Press Box Podcast Summer Edition and we'll come back with some Australian Baseball League news. Proudly brought to you by Viva Teamwear. Here for the atmosphere, not the gambling. Here for the memories, not for early bet payouts. Here for the loyalty, not to punt on first goal scorers. Here for my heroes. Not for my multi. Here for the fans. Not for odds on favourite. What are you here for? Yes! Gambling may harm. You could lose more than a bet. Visit hereforthegame.com.au. Summer beats here on the Sports Press Box 
summer edition of with Darren. That track we were just listening to was Summer Bum by Paul Yunden on the Sports Press Box, pretty brought to you by Viva Team, where, as I said before the break, we're going to talk some baseball now. And we're going to start off with some news out of the Perth heat. The food trucks will make a return to Perth Heat home games in January. And the first game they'll be at is the Heat versus Geelong Korea on Friday, January the 6th at 7pm and and on Saturday, January 7th at 4pm and 7pm and Sunday, January 8th at 4pm. Start the new year with a party at the ballpark. Summer baseball party that's January 6, 7 and 8. And you can find out all the rest of the information and to purchase tickets at perfheat.com.au. Our second news out of the Australian Baseball League comes from the Adelaide Giants. And they have signed flame-throwing MLB pitcher Bubby Rosman. A championship push. The LA Giants have added a pitcher who appeared in the 2022 MLB game for the Philadelphia Phillies for the stretch run. Flame throwing Bubby Rosman, who can throw a fastball that tops out at 99 miles per hour, land in Adelaide in time for the series versus the Auckland Tuatara. He'll be a handy back end bullpen guy to have. Rosman features an elite pitching. Arsenal. Earlier this season, his fastball was logged at 99 miles per hour. That's 160 in kilometres. He has devastating slider that lands in the high 80s. Bubby got a big league call-up in July 2022 and pitched for the Philadelphia Phillies. Spent most of the 2000 Ameri- 2022 American season between AA and AAA in the Phillies system. He also plays for the Israeli national team. Smiling a lot right now. Looks like you're yeah. having fun right now with us. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't mind the media. It's fun. It's uh, you know, it's part of the game. I mean, you see guys on TV getting interviewed every day, and you know, that's you're doing something good if you're you know getting interviewed after the game. So obviously, that's the position you want to be in. You look like you just love being here, man. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I've been it's my eighth year of professional baseball, and I mean, 
I've played all over the U.S. and international, so it's my first year back in the village in five years, so happy to be back here. Excellent. Being back in affiliated ball, just what did you learn from your time in independent ball? Uh, yeah, I played indie ball, and I played over in Europe and Mexico, so, I mean, it's a grind. I mean, you don't really have those trainers and nutritionists and stuff taking care of you every day. You're pretty much on your own, and, uh, I mean, you learn a lot about yourself, I mean, but, I mean, I'm happy to be back here. That's, that's, that's my main goal is, you know, to be here and make the big leagues. And, you have to beat with an affiliate. You can't just, you know, play indie ball and go straight to the big leagues. I don't think that's ever happened before. But yeah, I'm happy to be back here. You mentioned that growth of learning about yourself. Just, just now that you're back with these trainers, do you still do you kind of speak up a little bit more and say like, well, no, this is kind of my process. So there's a balance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having like different trainers and stuff in the off season, you kind of, you know, see eventually what you like every year and. Uh, they're open to you know everything here, so you know what you like after a few years of uh, you know learning about you know your body and what it takes to get ready and what gets tight every day. And, I mean Andrew, he's great here, so he knows like what parts of my body get sore after I do stuff like that and what to focus on. So definitely a lot better than what I've been used to in the past. Thank you all. Thank you. Rosman was drafted by the Dodgers in 2014 and spent four seasons in the minor leagues from 2019-21. He spent time in independent leagues, including the Can-Am League, American Association, and Atlantic League. He also spent time in Mexico before working his way back to affiliated baseball. He provides a great option out of the bullpen with a velocity that isn't common in the Australian Baseball League. He says shit says General Manager Nathan Davison. Excited, excited to have him on board. It's a second signing in three days for the Giants, who also added 2019-20 ABL Pitcher of the Year Dylan Unsworth to the squad. Unsworth, who has walked just six batters in 99.0 ABL innings, will assume a starting pitcher role. Giants are gearing up for a championship push. They sit 16-8 at the Christmas break and hold a 3.0, 3.0, sorry, game lead over Perth Heat for the first place in the Southwest Division. If the Giants win the division, they would also host a three-game preliminary final series on the last weekend of January versus the second-place team in the Northeast. The Giants' next home game is January 6, 7 and 8 at Die Colour Australia Stadium versus the Brisbane Bandits. And it's going to be a Latino night. We'll be on the Friday game and Saturday will be Harry Potter night for you. Harry Potter fans. Some dates are sold out in our VIP areas. If you'd like to come to the ballpark and cheer on the Giants, head to www.adelaidegiants.com.au forward slash tickets. And that takes us to the end of our uh, Australian Baseball League baseball news. And also to the end of this week's Sports Press Box Summer Edition podcast. Thank you to everyone who's participated in the production of this podcast. And I'd just like to, on behalf of the rest of the Sports Press Box team here at Old Sports Radio, I'd like to wish everyone a very, very Merry Christmas and a very happy and safe 2023. So take care and we'll catch you all after Christmas right here on the Sports Press Box, brought to you by Viva Teamwear and produced by Old Sports Radio. 